Anyway, the few, the proud, the after Christmas service gave me folks. Woohoo! This is great. It was great to see everybody this morning on this wonderful spring day. Hope everybody was preparing themselves with their clothes. But no, it's really great to have you here this morning as we continue to celebrate the incarnation and the Christmas season. For all those watching us online at home, we're so glad you're with us as well. We're just going to have a wonderful time of worship and uh, getting in the Word today and just lifting our hearts to the Lord. Amen? Hope you all had a great Christmas day yesterday with family and friends. So just a couple of announcements. Uh, no kids worship today. So kids, first grade and up, you're going to be in here during the sermon. So no kids worship for today. Also, there'll be no activities this week here on campus. Um, we're going to kick back in, obviously, after next Sunday with all of our normal scheduled activities. And the office will be closed this week from Monday through Wednesday. So no one will be here for the next three days. And one last thing to prepare for next week. There will be no Sunday morning Bible studies next Sunday due to it being New Year's and people still traveling. And then we'll kick that back in, obviously, the following week. So those are little updates to prepare us for this week. So I'd ask you to please stand as we prepare our hearts to worship the Lord through song. And I want to read us some scripture this morning to prepare ourselves. It's Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, whom though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's worship our Lord this morning.
There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire 
Count the joy from every battle, cause I know that's where you Glory to glory, worthy. 
Lord, we worship you. We praise you this morning. You are glorious. And Lord, no matter how we're feeling coming in today, many celebrating, many things going well in our lives and others coming in here this morning, including myself, just dealing with heartache and tragedy and situations in our lives, God, where we're crying out to you. That name that's above every name that we just sang about, the name that has all power and all authority, that we come before you each time to pray these prayers, to intercede, to petition in the nations and ministries and others, God, trusting you, knowing you are faithful and good, knowing that you will intervene, God. And we just entrust these things to you this morning, Lord, especially many in our Gateway family that are struggling with sickness and illness and situations during this holiday season that have been difficult. God, we just pray that you show up with all your power and glory. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, that you would start moving across our congregation, Lord, and families and connections that we have, Lord, to bring healing to those that are sick. Lord, I am going to mention specifically, we don't do this often, but my cousin right now is in Jackson on, who's been intubated. She struggled with COVID and now has ammonia. And God, we pray even for her and others that in that situation is COVID is still rampant in our nation and our city. God, we pray in Jesus' name that your healing power would touch them right now, that you would raise them up. And for Deneen, God, that you would bring oxygen back to her lungs, that you would strengthen her and raise her up. And I know there's many in this room that can say the same thing for them. God, you know who they are, and we're praying for all of them, that you would intervene and bring healing because we know that's who you are. And Lord, we thank you for opportunities in this city that we have to partner with different ministries and churches. God, we thank you for new life in Christ who meets here after we leave and the ministry of Pastor Samuel and their leadership. Lord, we just pray you continue to bless that church as they reach out to the Hispanic community here in Montgomery and the River Region. We pray, God, you continue to provide for them and give them opportunities and divine appointments to bring others in, to hear the gospel, to be discipled. We're so grateful that we've had a partnership with them there for 10 years now. It's just been a wonderful, wonderful relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Continue to bless them, Lord. And Lord, we do thank you for opportunities to pray for the nations. And I thank you at times we get to see updates from Pastor Mark Clovius in Haiti, who we partner with and pray for on a continuous basis. Lord, we thank you for his ministry in Jockmel and in the mountains of Haiti. We thank you for this past week that five couples within one of their churches, was able to be married and start uh, new adventures in life together um, under your covenant, Lord, that they are walking out in steps of obedience to be, to be married. And we thank you so much for that and the ministries you're doing. Continue, Lord, to provide for Pastor Mark, his family, the churches, the ministries, as his daily job, God, has really taken the gospel to a very dark place. We pray your protection over he and his family, that your angels will surround them. And, Lord, he put out a request even today, uh, this week. We rejoice and thank you, Lord, that 17 United States missionaries who were kidnapped by a couple of the gangs that are there in Haiti have been freed. We thank you for your protection that you watched over them, Lord. I know they'd probably be the first to say that this is a part of the persecution that they would experience for the gospel. But we thank you, God, for saving them, protecting them. We know there's other Haitians that are even now being held in the hands of many of these gangs who are trying to gain control of Haiti. God, we just pray you would show up in a powerful way. We don't know how you're going to do it, but we pray you would intervene and bring liberty and freedom, protection to that nation, that your gospel can go forth, that people can live in the peace of you 
and your power and authority. And we thank you we can lift them up today. Lord, we thank you for just being a God who is so good, who has blessed us so immensely with provision and resources. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity just to give back some today and this week, whether it be online or here today. We thank you, Lord, for your provision. We ask you to bless the finances of Gateway. We thank you for our leadership team and staff who are good stewards of what you have given us so that we take everything to you, Lord. We want to be led and guided by your spirit on how we are to facilitate and use the resources you've given us. So we thank you for that today. And lastly, Lord, for our pastor, we're so grateful for Grady. I thank you so much for him being my pastor and friend and his heart to shepherd us, to teach us, to love us, to protect us, to serve us so faithfully. And we just pray your Holy Spirit would guide him today, refresh him, fill him afresh with your spirit as he brings your word this morning. And Lord, I was just reminded as we were singing and worshiping God, I pray we never, never take for granted that we can open your word, that we can read your scripture, that we can read your truth. Many nations right now, there's Christians all over the world that don't even have access to it. But God, may we never, never take for granted that we have it on our phones and our pads and with pages in our laps, the beauty of your word. May we remember that and rejoice in that and be grateful for that. So continue, Holy Spirit, to have your way this morning as you teach us, guide us, direct us, enlighten us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all sound tired after Christmas. Good morning, Gateway family. That sounds a little bit better. Great to see you guys this morning. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas yesterday. Thankful that we get to gather together. Guys, can you drop the lights so I can see the congregation? Thank you. That's much better. So, don't you find Luke chapter 10 in your copy of God's Word? Luke chapter 10. Friends, we come to the end of the Christmas season and we begin to look to the start of the new year that awaits us. Friends, for the last four Sundays we've been celebrating Advent been looking at some of our deepest desires, our deepest longings, our longings for peace, our longings for hope, our longings for joy, and our longings for love. And I hope one thing you've seen over these four weeks as we've dug into those topics is that we're not going to find those longings met in our circumstances. Even as CJ was praying, we're just reminded that life is hard. We will face trials, we will face suffering, we will face hardships in this life, and we're not going to find peace, hope, joy, and love in our circumstances. I think you've also seen as we've dug into this over the last four weeks that we're not going to find those desires ultimately met in human relationships. Because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And sinners are going to sin against other sinners and we're going to hurt one another. And so the only place where we will truly find peace and hope and joy and love that last, as we've seen each week, is in a relationship with Christ and in knowing Him in a personal way. But friends, if we're honest, that we would say that, many of us do not practically live out prioritizing knowing Christ and pursuing Him and trying to find peace, hope, joy, and love in those things. As we saw some weeks ago, we talked about the difference in our confessional theology and our functional theology. And probably all of us who are gathered here would confessionally say, oh yeah, yeah, I know that I can only find peace and hope and joy and love in knowing Christ. But functionally in our lives, do we live out prioritizing those things and pursuing Christ? Why do we not do that as we should, Will? Because we prioritize everything else, don't we? We tend to be busy, distracted people, and what often suffers the most is our relationship with Christ. So this morning, as we transition from Christmas into the new year, I want to give us a challenge as we look towards the new year ahead. And that question for us to consider this morning is, what should we prioritize? So we think about this past year, we think about where we're going, what should we 
prioritize. Now, friends, I'm not a New Year's goal person. I commend you guys who can set goals at the beginning of the year and stick with it. That's not my personality on that. But New Year's, regardless of whether or not you set goals, provides us an opportunity to pause and to reflect and to ask, what is most important in my life? And am I pursuing those things? Now, to help us as we think about that is, I want us to look at Luke chapter 10 this morning. This is a familiar account for perhaps many of you but one that I pray will help us in evaluating our priorities as we think about where we've been this year, as we think about where we're headed next year. I pray this will be instructive and helpful for all of us as we think about what God would have for us as we start the new year. So we're looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? As CJ reminded us just a minute ago, what a blessing it is that we have access to the Word of God. and can hold it right in front of us right here. But we also have the words on the screen for you. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you've given us your word. What a grace gift that you're a God who speaks and you're a God who's revealed yourself. And God, you've let us even have it be translated into our language. We can read it with our very eyes and hear it this morning. Lord, thank you for the blessing of that. And Lord, I pray this morning that this text that perhaps is a familiar story for many, that you would give us fresh eyes through the Holy Spirit to see it and to see what you want us to learn today as we look towards the new year ahead. Lord, thank you for these brothers and sisters, and I'm grateful that we get to walk this journey of faith together. And pray this morning you use your word to shape us more and more into who you desire for us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. So what are we looking at here? We're in Luke's gospel, one of the four gospels, and Luke is a follower of Christ who is one of Paul's companions, and he was one who got to see firsthand the growth of the early church. Now, Luke wrote his gospel with a very specific mission in view here. And I want you to see that. If you go back to Luke chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, you see why Luke undertook this particular journey of writing this for us. I think we have it on the screen. Luke chapter 1, verse 3. He said, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Verse 4, he carries on, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke wrote this with a very specific mission. He wants us to have certainty about who Christ is and about how we can know Christ and what it means to walk with him and respond to him. Now, there's so much Luke could have pulled from in the life of Jesus to tell this story of Christ. But he selected certain things for a reason. There's many more he could have included. I love how John says it in John 21, 25. He gives us a sobering reality in John 21, 25. He says, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be within. So John acknowledges the challenge that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and himself all faced here. They could have written book after book after book after book of all they saw in the life of Christ. But they had to select certain things. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all had particular audiences. They had particular goals and writings. They recorded certain events in order to share those truths with us. Now, when we come to this particular story of Mary and Martha this morning, that means this is an intentional inclusion by Luke to help us have certainty 
in what we believe. This is not just a nice little aside so we can catch our breath as we read through the journey of Jesus' ministry. This is not some filler text he put in here. This also means he did not include it because he thought it was a funny story of a type A sister clashing with her type B sister. Okay, That's not why Luke put this in here. He included this to help us have certainty in knowing Christ, to have certainty in what we believe, to help us learn some important truth. And so let's dig into what's happening here to make sure we understand so we can find the truth that Luke has for us here. So let's go back to what's happening as we see the history that's being acted out before us here. Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Go back to our first verse. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now so we have here Jesus is traveling. He comes to a village in Israel. We know from John's gospel this village is called Bethany. And he comes to the home where there's two sisters and a brother. This is Mary and Martha. No, not in this text. Their brother Lazarus lived with them here. This is the same family that, if you look in other gospels, where Lazarus died and Jesus raised him back to life. This is the family that we're talking about. Now, just for clarification, since we're coming off Christmas, this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is a totally different Mary. This is a common name at the time. And so this particular family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were no strangers to Jesus. These were believers, people who followed him. In fact, they were his friends, and he was very close to them. John chapter 11, verse 5, we're told in that text that Jesus loved them. So I think we have it up there for you, John eleven five. 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, that's Mary, and Lazarus. These were people who were close to Jesus. He stopped by their house more than once, so he had a relationship with these friends. And and as Jesus comes into their house, the way the two sisters handle his presence gives us a contrast. And this is what Luke is trying to teach us here. And it has everything to do with our priorities. So let's start with what Mary does here in this text. So go to verse 39. And she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now we're told two things that Mary does here. Two verbs. Number one, she sat at Jesus' feet. Now that may seem a little bit strange to us because you picture Jesus sitting there and here comes Mary and she sits down on the ground looking up at Jesus. At the time, this was the position of a disciple wanting to learn from a teacher. Disciples would sit at the feet of their teachers or their masters to learn from them. And so when Mary sits at Jesus' feet, she's communicating that she wants to learn what Jesus has to say and also communicates she wants to submit to what Jesus is telling her. She's doing what James later tells in James chapter 1, verse 22, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. When you're sitting at the feet of the teacher, you're saying, I want to hear, but I want to be a doer of what my teacher is teaching me. And to make sure we get that, Luke brings us out in the second verb of what she does here. She also, in verse 39, she not only sits at his feet, she listens. Now, in the Greek language which this was written in, listen is in a tense that means continual action. You could perhaps translate this, she listened and kept on listening and kept on listening, and kept on listening, and kept on listening. This was continual action. But notice something here. She was not distracted. She was focused. She was listening, kept on listening. But notice what she was listening to here. If you go back to the verse, she listened to what? What did she listen to? Oh, come on. I know it's the day after Christmas. She listened to what? There we go. Okay, we're a little more awake now. His teaching. Now, this is where our English doesn't really do justice for what it actually says here in the Greek here, because what it actually says is she listened to his word. Not his words, plural, his word, singular. This is the word logos from Scripture. This is the word that she used to describe Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 14, when it says the word, the logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the exact same word, if you go back now to the verse we're in today, that she now listened to his word here. Friends, I think Luke is trying to bring out something to us here, that she listened to the word of the word. 
She listened to the very voice of God. She listened to the speech of Emmanuel, God with us. She got to hear his self-revelation, friends. And what an incredible reminder this is for us that we serve a God who is not silent, but a God who speaks and who has spoken to us and has shown us who he is and has shown us who we are, has shown us how we can know him, has shown us what his desires are for us. We see this in Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1, we're told then in Hebrews 1 that long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke. Again, God is a revealing God. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now in verse 2, we see the climax of all this. But in these last days, that's the time period we're still in, He has spoken to us. He's still speaking by His Son. That's Christ, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So the Word speaks. God is a speaking God, and He's revealed Himself to us, and He's preserved it for us now in Scripture so that we can have it. John chapter 20, verse 31 tells us this. In John's Gospels, he begins to wrap it up. He says, these are written, these have been put down in writing for us, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in His name. So in our text today, here you have Mary presented with the opportunity to hear the speech of God to hear the voice of God himself, to hear the word of the word as he sat there in her living room. So she sits there listening and kept on listening and kept on listening. She was undistracted in her eagerness and her love and her submission. She focused on him and taking in every word that Jesus spoke. Now Luke presents us a contrast here, and that's in what Martha does. Now before we get to Martha, I want us to be careful. We do not want to villainize Martha. This text has been misapplied many times through the years to almost call for a monastic type of life and a withdrawal from activity. And that's not what this is about. Martha does some very commendable things here. And so we don't want to villainize her here. Number one, I want you to see two things she does well. Number one, she practices hospitality. She practices hospitality. Go back to verse 38 of our text today. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. The word welcome means she received him into her home. She just didn't run out to the, the, the town square, give Jesus a hug, and be like, I'm so glad you're here. Got a busy day. Bye. And run back to her things. She dropped her plans, everything she was doing, and she welcomed Jesus into her home. She opened her home. She opened her life to Jesus that day. She did what we're commanded to do, and all believers are commanded to do in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. In Romans, Paul tells us and instructs all of us to contribute to the needs of the saints and to seek to show what? hospitality. That's a command for all of us. None of us are exempt. If we're in Christ, we're supposed to be showing hospitality to other people. And that's exactly what Martha was doing here. She opened her home to others in obedience to God to honor God. But the second thing she does well here is she serves others. Martha not only shows hospitality and opens her home, she then serves others as they come in. This is what we're all commanded to do in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. We're told in 1 Peter 4 that each one has received a gift. We're to use it to do what? To serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So Martha has been gifted by God with hospitality and encouragement and the ability to serve others. And so she opens her home and joyfully begins to serve other people. And we know from Scripture she does this at other times as well. She has a gift of service and hospitality and she runs with that gift. Now, I want us to see that at the front to remind us that Martha loved Jesus. This is not Mary loved Jesus and Martha did not. No, these are two sisters who loved Jesus, who were committed to him and who loved him and wanted to do what was right. But it reminds us we can love Jesus and focus on the wrong things. We can love Jesus and follow him and even be gifted and in doing our gifting lose sight of the one who has given us those gifts. So let's look at what happened to Martha here as instruction for us. Go back to verse 40 of our text this morning. But Martha was distracted 
with much serving. Now, this word distracted is fascinating because it means to be dragged away or to be pulled away. So it says it's distracted. It means there's something you're wanting to do, but you've been pulled away. You've been lured away from what you wanted to do. You've been dragged. You've been pulled. Now, we need to let that sink in because what that shows us is that Martha knew Jesus was there. And deep down as a Christ follower, she wanted to hear his word. She wanted to listen to what he was saying. She wanted to learn from him, but she got dragged away. She got pulled, not by the demands of anyone else. She got pulled by her own demands, her own expectations, her own desires, what she wanted to do. She let those things drag her away from God being right there with her in her home. And the more she got distracted, the more she got dragged away, her heart and her mind became very self-righteous. And so instead of repenting of being dragged away, she begins to spiritualize it and justify it and sees herself as doing the right thing and her sister doing the wrong thing. And that self-righteousness, that justification begins to grow and grow and grow and it finally leads into anger. Not just to her sister, but anger to God himself. Look at verse 40 here and notice what happens. Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to Jesus. Now let us think in. She's talking to the creator and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She accuses Jesus of not caring. The one who's been with her, we just sung that this morning, the another in the fire, the God is always with us. And she accuses her creator of not caring. Her self-righteousness has led to anger, and now she's lashing out even at Jesus himself over this. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And then she tells God what to do. Talk about boldness, right? She says, tell her to help me. But before we throw stones, don't we kind of have that same tendency? We kind of justify what we do, and then when it doesn't happen the way we want, we kind of get mad at God. Like, why would you let me walk through that? Or why is this happening? We start telling God how we should order his universe. So we're very much like Martha in so many ways. This is one who would love Jesus, but it lost sight of him so much. Even though he's in her home, she's now angry with him, accusing him, and telling him how to run his universe. But friends, there's hope for Martha, and that means there's hope for you and me as well. Because Jesus loves Martha too much to do two things. He loves her too much, one, to get angry at her. Now, if I had been God, which is a good thing I'm not, if I had been God here, I'm not sure I would have responded with the grace Jesus responded with here in this moment. I mean, I can imagine at that point, a lot of us would be tempted and want to say, how dare you talk to me like that? Do you know who I am? But he doesn't do that. He doesn't respond in anger to her. Likewise, he loves her too much to appease her. Again, I think it'd be t- easy for a lot of us who struggle with people-pleasing tendencies to be like, okay, okay, Mary, just go help your sister for five minutes. It'll settle her down. It'll be much more peaceful during this gathering. Just, just go help her five minutes. I get it. We'll all be okay. But he loves her too much to get angry, and he loves her too much just to appease her and leave her in her sin. What does Jesus do instead? He firmly but lovingly speaks the truth to her. He very firmly but very lovingly speaks truth to her to call her out of our sin. He does what we're all commanded to do in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. In Ephesians 4, 15, we saw this several years ago when we walked through this text. We're told we're to speak the truth in love. And so Jesus here models for us what all of us should be doing to one another as followers in Christ. He doesn't get angry with her. He doesn't appease her. He speaks the truth in love to her. And look at how he does this. Go to verse 41. He speaks to her, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. He gets her attention. He lovingly calls her name. He draws her to refocus on him. The one who made her and knows her name is now calling to her and speaking to her with this gentle, loving correction. And he reveals to her her sin here. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Now, notice something here, friends. 
He never corrects her for serving, because that was her gift. It's good for us to serve God. It's good for us to serve other people. It's good for us to practice hospitality. He doesn't correct her because she's serving. He doesn't say, hey, you need to become a monk and withdraw. The problem was her heart attitude and how she was going about her serving here, her anxiety and her worry. Now, you guys know my philosophy of Bible translation. I don't really like to paraphrase translations a whole lot. I like the much more literal translations of the Bible. But one of the paraphrased translations really brings this out in a way that just really caught my attention because it uses a language I think we could perhaps imagine in the southern part of the U.S. here. It translates this verse this way. Martha, you are fretting and fussing about so many things. I went, well, that's a pretty good translation, at least if you're in Alabama, right? Martha, you are fretting and you are fussing about so many things. That's, in fact, what she was doing. She had sinful anxiety and worry in her heart that led her to lose sight of Christ and to pull away from Him and focusing on Him to do all these things in her anxiousness and worry and whatever was driving her. And it led to her fretting and fussing and missing the Christ who was sitting right there in her living room. So what Jesus is doing in the language we use a lot to describe things, He's calling her to put off her anxiety. He's calling her to put off her worry. He's not telling her to quit serving. He's not telling her to quit doing good things. He's telling her to to put off the anxiety and the worry, the fretting, the fussing, the stress that she has put herself under. But like we see throughout Scripture, when we put off sin, we're to put on righteousness. We, We put off the sin and we replace it with Christ righteousness. Now, what do we put on instead? Well, Jesus shows her what she should put on instead, what she should prioritize instead. But to tell her that, he does not give her a propositional truth He gives her the example of her sister to teach her this lesson. So what is she to put on in place of fretting and fussing? Well, we see that in verse 42. He tells her in the same term, Martha, Martha, he says, one thing is necessary. One thing is your duty. One thing is most important to you. And what is that thing that's most important? He says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Now, this has frustrated people over the years because, at least for me, I like propositional truth. Mary, you should do this instead. He does, or Martha, you should do this instead. Instead, he says, look, Martha, you're fretting and fussing. You do something that's more important. And what is it? Well, it's what Mary's chosen. What is it that Mary has chosen here? Well, remember, go back up to verse 39 and look at what Mary chose to do. And she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his word. She listened to the word of the word. So what he's telling us to Martha then and to you and I today, for a follower of Christ, the most important thing for each one of us is to take time to know God through his word. Now, that's probably one of the most important things of the day. Like what he's saying to Martha and to you and I today is for followers of Christ, the most important thing for us, the thing that's most necessary is to take time to know God through his word, to know the word of the word, to take time to know him, to hear it, to read it, to think about it, to grow in sitting at God's feet, desiring to live out what we hear. Now, one thing we see from the rest of Scripture is that Martha learns this lesson. Jesus loved her enough to speak the truth in love to her, and she got what he said. His loving correction worked, and she began to learn to prioritize the Word and to let it shape her. Now, how do we know that? Well, we go to John chapter 11, because there in John 11, you have one of the two greatest confessions of who Christ is in all of Scripture. And from whom? None other than the Martha, who is so distracted and angry right here. Because when Martha hits a trial much more severe than Jesus is walking into her house and she's not prepared for it, she comes to the trial of the death of her brother. She, in this point, Jesus comes to her and she speaks to him. And look at the confession she makes. And look at how she's so heard the word and has shaped her. John chapter 11, verse 21. And look at what, what Martha says. The same Martha who's fretting and fussing right now. Look at what she says to Jesus. Lord, if you've been here, 
my brother would not have died. She already knows the nature of Christ. She's heard, she's seen his power. She knows what he can do. Now, verse 22, she carries on. But even I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So already you have Martha confessing to Christ. This could have been different, but I'm, you can do whatever you want to do. She's asking Jesus to use his power here. She understands who Jesus is. She's been listening to his word and learned who he is. Now she carries on in verse 23 here. I think we got it up there for you. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Now look how she responds. Verse 24, he goes on. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's confessing, like she's heard the word, and the word is taking root in her life. Verse 25, it carries on the conversation. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now look at what happens in verse 26 here. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never not die. Martha, do you believe this? And look at what she says. Here's this great confession of the faith. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Talk about one of the greatest confessions in Scripture. And it comes from Martha, who was fretting and fussing, who now, sometime later, has so heard the word of Christ as she walks through this trial. The beautiful confession can flow out of her lips and her life in the midst of the trial she is walking through. She let the word of the word take root in her life, and it overflowed in this moment. Now, friends, what do we do with this? What do we do with this example and with this teaching? And here's, I want to bring it together. Here's our main idea for the morning that I want to challenge us with as we start the new year. The most important priority in the life of a believer is knowing God through his word. As we think about the year ahead, the most important priority for me and for you needs to be knowing God through his word. Remember, we said it earlier, God is a God who speaks God is a God who reveals himself. He's recorded it for us in the pages of Scripture so we can see who he is, who we are, what his will is, and what it means to follow him, what our priorities are to be. And he's given it to us. Friends, like CJ prayed earlier, we need to be thankful and full of gratefulness to God that we have his word in our own language, that God allowed it to be translated and put in our hands before us. Friends, there's, as CJ prayed earlier, there's people all over the world who don't have it. If you look at Wycliffe Bible Translators, there's 1.5 billion people on earth today who do not have the Bible in their heart language. Friends, let us see. There's 1.5 billion people on our planet who cannot pick up a copy of the Word of God and read it in their heart language because it's not there. That's why we give to missions and support missions. We need to grow in a church that's doing that, but that's a sermon for a whole another day. For us for today, the question is, God in His grace has given it to us. We have it before us. We have shelves full of it at home. We have it on our phones. We can stop by bookstores and buy it. We have God's Word. We have ample access to it. The question is, are we reading it, friends? Because we really have no excuse for not prioritizing it. Yet too often we're like Martha, aren't we? We know we're supposed to do it. We know it's good, but we get pulled away. We get distracted by all the other demands of life. So the question as we come to the end of the year for us is simply this, friends. Are we prioritizing knowing the Word of God? As you look back to this past year, how have you done prioritizing the Word of God? Or have we let other things pull us away? For some of us, work can consume us, and we give so much time to it, we forget time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. For some, even doing ministry in the church can pull us away from the good of sitting at His feet and learning. For some, it's wanting to be current with the news and knowing what's happening in D.C. And for honest, for a lot, it's entertainment. Whether it's gaming or TV or movies and, yes, social media. None of those things are necessarily bad, friends, but we can give so much attention to those things and so little attention to the word of the word. And we spend more time laughing at the next funniest thing to entertain ourselves, the next time trying to get to the next level in the game, being current on what's happening, scrolling through the lives of our friends, and we miss that God is calling us to be with him. 
So friends, if you're in Christ and you realize that we're not prioritizing the word like you should, the good news is God loves you too much to be angry with you. Remember we saw a few weeks ago, he, his love is unconditional. He doesn't love you any more or any less depending on how you do prioritizing his word. His love is based on what Christ has done for you. But like he did with Martha, if you're in Christ, he loves you too much to leave you distracted and not prioritizing, sitting with him and learning from him. And like he did with Martha, he's calling your name, inviting you to come sit at his feet and to learn from him. And he's saying to you this morning, friend, one thing is necessary. Choose the good portion, prioritize my word. So friends, so how do we do that? No, it's not really rocket science, is it? I think anyone who can come up here and tell us how do we prioritize the word, it's quite simple. We read it, right? We listen to it. We think about it. We talk about it with our friends. And if it's an area you struggle with, invite a believer to hold you accountable and to ask you, how are you doing reading the word? How are you doing thinking about it? Perhaps some of you need to ask your spouse, like, hey, I need to do better this year. Start asking me every day in love to read the word with you. Some of you need to ask your friends, and we've got a lot of kids in here. Kids, if you're not reading the Bible much, you should ask your parents to help you with that. God in his grace has given us family and friends and people around us to encourage us. And he's given us friends so many tools to help us do this. I'm going to email you later this week some resources to help you as you think about the new year prioritizing. We as a church are going to provide for you this year a thing called Dwell. It's a free Bible listening app, and there's no charge for you. We'll email you a link this week so you can get it for no cost this year. If you want to listen to the Word of God this year, we're going to provide you a tool to help you do that. They're going to send you out some possible Bible reading plans. So you have a whole week to think about it before the new year starts. But if you've not read through the New Testament, make this the year you read through the New Testament. Have a checklist to go through. If you want to read through the whole Bible or do it chronologically, there's so many options out there, friends, you can do. And we're happy to help point you to some of those. And if you want to grow in how to do this, there's books in the Resource Center on spiritual disciplines and how to grow in doing these things. Because there's a lot out there for us. Let's not be like Martha who gets distracted from the invitation Christ has for us to sit at his feet. Friends, the most important priority in the life of a believer is knowing God through his word. So let's be praying this week that God would show us as family, as friends of the church, how to prioritize growing in his word this year. And I'm excited about what God's going to do in my life and in your life as we sit at his feet and listen to his word. Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you that in your grace, you revealed yourself to us. God, in your grace, you have given us the written word. And in your grace, Lord, you let it be translated into English where we could read it in our own heart language. And you've given us so many tools where we can hear it and read it and talk about it. And Lord, I pray we to realize what a blessing we have in having the word of God before us. Help us not treat it lightly. Help us not forget about it. But Lord, for my life and the life of these precious brothers and sisters, Lord, I pray this year you would, through the work of your Holy Spirit in us, grow in us a greater hunger to know your word. Father, we are a distracted culture. There's so many things that vie for our attention, so many things that pull for us. And Lord, if we're not careful, we can come in tired at the end of the day and start scrolling through our phones and turning on the TV and turning on the radio. You see all the things that we do instead of picking up your word. But Lord, would you so give in me and give in these friends a hunger for your word. And when we get up in the mornings, when we get in from work at night, when we're with our families at the dinner table, when we're hanging out with friends, Lord, we want to talk about your word. We want to read your word. Lord, would you grow in us as a church body, Lord, this new year, a passion for knowing the word of the word. Lord, there's no hope for us to grow in godliness. There's no hope for us to know who you are if we're left to our own devices. But I pray we'd want to treasure the revelation that you've given to us, whether we want to be conformed more and more to the image of the Lord Jesus himself. So thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you that you love us. And like Martha, you call our names and you invite us into a deeper relationship with you. Something we can never initiate, something we can never do is all of you. And we give you the praise and the thanks for what you're doing and what you're going to do this new year. And we ask it all 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song? We're going to close with what I hope will be your prayer, your desire this year to turn our eyes upon Jesus.
turn our eyes to you. Lord, whatever comes this week, whatever family gatherings we're at, work situations we're in, places we're going, that Lord, all throughout the day, you'd be turning our eyes to you, reminding us of your greatness and your glory and stirring our hearts to want to know more of you. For we can't manufacture that, but your Holy Spirit can. So we submit ourselves to you, asking you to do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, Gateway family.